Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. With Tesco, where you won't pay more for the products that matter most to you. Tesco, every little helps. Uh, now, um, the uh, continuing story of Caroline Flack's death and how people are responding to it and all the issues that it throws up. And as one of our listeners pointed out during the first hour, uh, maybe a, a local focus um, would be helpful in that respect um, as well. Uh, but uh, last night on Love Island, uh, which Caroline was so associated with, uh, her friend and colleague Ian Sterling paid tribute. We are all absolutely devastated by the tragic news that Caroline, a much-loved member of our Love Island family, has passed away. Our thoughts are with her family and friends at this dreadful time. Caroline and me were together from the very start of Love Island and her passion, warmth and infectious enthusiasm were a crucial part of what made the show connect with millions of viewers. Like many of you, Right now, we're all just trying to come to terms with what has happened. My only hope is that we can all try and be kinder, always show love, and listen to one another. Caroline, I want to thank you for all the fun times we had making our favourite show. You were a true friend to me. I'm going to miss you, Kaz. So was Ian Sterling there, uh, the well-known voice as narrator of uh, Love Island and uh, he wouldn't ever have been expecting to do a piece of narration quite like that on Love Island of all programmes uh, and uh, as I mentioned the fallout goes on around her death, petitions being signed fingers of blame being pointed online and it has raised all sorts of topics around social media, traditional media, regulation and the unregulated ways too that people can comment and express thoughts and feelings and it's also triggered a conversation on the need to take care of one another and I'm joined in the studio by William Cahan who is a PhD student in the Department of Psychology at UL and you're welcome. Good morning to you William. Um, what are your thoughts on the fallout uh, from this story and the impact that it seems to be having? Thank you, Joe. Um, yeah, it's, it's quite interesting just how much discourse we've seen online about Caroline Flack. Uh, I suppose I'll introduce myself first. So um, my own research is on uh, the relationship between attitudes and how we can use attitudes to infer group identity. So to simplify that, if I were to say to you that I dislike the Leinster rugby team, you might make the inference that I am a Munster rugby supporter. Or if I were to say uh, I'm not particularly interested in rugby at all, you might make the inference that I am a nearly PhD student, which wouldn't be inaccurate. Um, and I suppose this is relevant to the Caroline Flack uh, case and news story because um, after her death, we saw a lot of commentary online, but we also saw this commentary online before her death as well. People were sharing their attitudes about Caroline Flack, um, saying things about her behaviour and almost grouping themselves into different camps in support of her or against her. And we saw this afterwards as well, after her death, um, with people, you know, saying this is awful and pointing fingers of blame and other people uh, pointing blame at the sun and pointing blame at the social commentary online. What's important to remember is it's not just Caroline Flack either. 
um, this has happened multiple times with a variety of different people. And as one of your um, listeners pointed out, it's, it's, it's interesting to put a local context or a national context on it too. So we saw a similar thing happen with Dara Quigley. Um, I'm not sure if you remember the case, but Dara Quigley was a journalist who had a mental health crisis um, and left her home um, nude and was recorded by a member of the Garda Shiakana. And that video was posted online. So she was publicly humiliated online. And as a result, she also died by suicide. So this public humiliation that we see happening on social media is a common thing. But we tend to almost always place the blame on social media afterwards, right? So we tend to say that it's Twitter that's causing this, when in fact public humiliation is something that has existed throughout history. So one of the ways that we used to punish people in the past was through public executions or hangings, that sort of thing. So it's not necessarily social media that is to blame. Um, Again, what we tend to do is we tend to ask the question, who is causing this? Who's doing this? Is it the Sun newspaper? Is it every single individual who has ever written a tweet about Caroline Flack? But what social psychologists tend to do is ask why. And that's how we have social psychology experiments. Why do people post these comments online in the first place? What compels people to do that? So I might mention um, a sort of significant social psychology experiment known as the Milgram study to give a little bit of context to this. In the Milgram study, you have a participant who is told that their role is to be a teacher. And you have somebody who is acting as a learner and you have an experimenter. So um, the teacher is, uh, the the learner in this experiment um, is supposed to answer word pairs. And the teacher in the experiment is supposed to deliver an electric shock if the learner gets the answer wrong. They have an experimenter in a white lab coat who's telling them to deliver the, exper- the, uh, the electric shock if this goes wrong. Of course, the person who is the learner is an actor and the experimenter is an actor. But crucially, the participant in this study seriously believes that they are uh, giving an electric shock to the participant up to a lethal dosage of 450 volts. And in the Milgram study, which happened in the 1970s, um, it was found that 60% of participants will deliver an electric shock up to 450 volts, believing that they might actually be killing the person who's taking part in this study, right? Um, It was a study that was done to see why do people conform to authority figures in that sense? So why, if an experimenter is telling you to deliver an electric shock, would you actually conform to this idea? But what's really, really interesting to look at is two specific elements of the Milgram study, the idea of norms and the idea of proximity. Uh, is is this sorry? I'm, I know I'm I'm giving a lot of information. You are, here yeah, once, yeah, but, yeah. But, but go on and, and just try and bring it back to how it applies to Caroline Flack for me. Sure, you? sure. So um, when it comes to social norms, the idea that if you're in an experiment with an experimenter in a lab coat who is telling you to do something, you're conforming to the norm of that behavior. Now, the idea of proximity, if the person who is the learner is in another room distant and far away from you, you're more likely to actually deliver the electric shock. If we apply this to the case of social media online, think about the fact that if you go on Twitter, you see all of these different people giving their opinions, uh, producing sort of norms. It's almost normative behavior to include commentary, to post your own comments about Caroline Flack. And also think about the idea of proximity too. Caroline Flack or any other person in this case, you're not actually seeing the direct effects of your comments on this person. You're not actually seeing that because social media provides a platform for anonymity. If you actually were to consider saying the things that you're saying online to an individual who is in front of you, you might be much more, you might have much more humility. You might actually consider much more. Okay. So is that, 
similar then to people and you know we think it's an Irish disease but uh, it sounds like it's far more universal than that saying something to someone's face um, and walking out the door to the coffee shop across the way and chatting to friends or colleagues and saying the direct opposite and not very pleasant things about the same person. So if you're in a situation where you're actually talking with other people, you're held accountable for your actions, but there's no accountability online. And this, we tend to talk about censorship then. We tend to say things like, well, what we need to do is shut down platforms like Twitter. But previously in the past, we've seen uh, aspects of censorship on platforms online. So for example, Tumblr, Tumblr, which is an online platform, banned adult content. And yes, their viewership and membership dropped substantially, but people just go to other places online to have these discussions. In terms of positive censorship, we do see censorship happening around different accounts that happen online. So bot accounts, for example. Twitter is cracking down on users that don't have verified email addresses, don't have verified phone numbers, don't have profile pictures. To prevent people who are able to come online, come on these platforms and have an anonymous presence. Because if you're actually held accountable for your actions, you're much less likely to be involved in this kind of negative rhetoric. And we're chatting with William Kirhan, who's a PhD student in the Department of Psychology at the University of Limerick, uh, about the fallout from the death by suicide of Caroline Flack. And Jason O'Callaghan is from the D4 Clinic. Uh, Jason, good morning to you. Um, you set up sessions to help people withdraw from the likes of Facebook. Do you think there are people who need to withdraw from coverage online at times for their own well-being, Jason? Well, first off, thanks for having me on. So my speciality is, as, as a psychologist, uh, is helping people to change behavior, um, and that primarily being negative behavior and that behavior which may cause negative habits, uh, such as would it be smoking or would it be anxiety or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, but these days you have to look at how people are getting anxious and why they're getting anxious. And each generation brings up its own issues, you know, um, I'm sure back in our grandparents' generation, it was, you know, television was, you know, rock and roll was seen as these things which caused, people thought were causing anxiety and behavior. Um, and, and as time goes on, as your contributor says, over decades and millennia, there's different ways that people, you know, it's not so much food anymore, shortage of food, which would have been to our ancestors and so on. So these days, the cause of anxiety uh, and a major cause within the past decade is obviously social media. Uh, replaced where we would have got anxiety such as TV, radio, newspapers. The big difference, I suppose, between social media and traditional media is there is no filter, there is no it therefore makes everybody the editor of a, of a newspaper and everybody the uh, publisher of their own radio show. You still with me, Jason? Sorry, your your line is cutting in and out Sorry. slightly, I'm Sorry. afraid. Sorry. So, uh, so, so, so there, everyone's there. the editor of their own publication. Jason, unfortunately, is not uh, with us. Unfortunately, some difficulty with uh, his line. Um, uh, but uh, Nora Conway is uh, also uh, with us, and she is from Pieta House uh, in Limerick. Hi, Nora. How are you? Good morning, Joe. I'm good, thank you. And Nora, because Caroline Flack died uh, by suicide, um, it, it has uh, extended beyond simply issues of court cases or what the press. Uh, may have done uh, what social media did. Um, it obviously encompasses something that you and your colleagues at Pieta House are dealing with uh, in Limerick and around the country all the time, Nora. 
Yes, it does. And uh, it obviously is a very sad and tragic story, as is any death by suicide. And I think it's it's very important to be mindful of the ripple effect and, you know, to hear the, the tribute to her from, from uh, her co-star in Love Island. Millions and millions of viewers uh, are aware of this and affected by this. And I think what's concerning at the moment is, obviously, that the sadness and the loss around her death and the circumstances around that, but also that the, the fact that what it may trigger for other people and I think we we need to be very aware and very mindful of that. And I would encourage people today who are in any way, you know, upset and triggered by this to talk and to speak to somebody about it and to ask for help. And I think, you know, it's important that, um, you know, when we talk about social media, and I agree with your, your previous speakers, um, a lot of people who present in Pieta House, particularly young people, uh, present with very high levels of anxiety, um, hence suicide ideation and self-harm and one of the contributory factors that we are hearing on a regular basis is the impact that social media is having on people today. So, you know, we need to be very, very aware of this. And if there's any lessons, I suppose, to be learned from this is is to, to change our attitudes and to change how we are in social media and to be, to be kind and to, to, to be very aware that you never know what's going on in somebody's life and you never know how vulnerable somebody may be. Yeah, but the thing is though, Nora, the triggers that you mentioned, I mm. suppose it's possible that there are people who are triggered by the Caroline Flack story and don't even realise. Oh, absolutely. And there has been many cases reported uh, of bullying being a contributory factor to deaths by suicide. And this will bring up, you know, people who have lost a loved one to suicide. You know, the fact that it's so much on the radio and so much on, on, on social media at the moment, it will bring it uh, up for people. So we need to be very aware of that and to support people uh, through this. Nice. Uh, and uh, Jason O'Callaghan, we hope, is uh, back uh, with us from the D4 clinic. Um, and Jason, you were making the point there about everyone can be their own publisher or their own editor. But with that comes responsibility, because uh, as William points out, you can have um, a direct and very real impact on individuals, even though they may be physically distant from you. Exactly. And as well as that, the other issue is that some people have much more resilience so somebody, for example, who might be in the public eye, like a politician, uh, I know people like Noel Rock have been on the media recently saying they get huge amounts of abuse, but they're able to maybe deal with it better. Not saying it doesn't affect them, but it may be able to deal with it better. Their background, their training, their are able to reach out and talk to people is going to affect how they deal with it. Uh, obviously, their age and their, their mental capacity will help to deal with it as well. But I often say to people that a lot of these anonymous people making comments, and no matter what you go on to Twitter, Instagram, any of these things that you go on to and you make a comment, which might be some way uh, against someone's views, you'll get a barrage of, of abuse. But most of these people, if, if they saw you on the street, as your, as your commentator said, um, wouldn't say it to you. Uh, and on the, on the flip side, uh, if you saw a lot of these people on the street, you may cross the road because you know, a lot of these people may not be, you know, for want of a better word, the type of people that you'd want to socialize with anyway or want their opinions from. So it's, it's, it's a very interesting medium, but it all depends on each individual, as I said. And the best advice we would say to people is if you find anything or any person, whether that be online or in, in, in real life, is giving you a negative vibe, a negative effect is not helping your mental health. Uh, this might be a friend or even a family member, uh, never mind online. If someone is making you feel bad, it's a bad relationship. That can be anything. And if someone's making you 
in, in a bad relationship, you should really get away from that bad relationship, whether that's online or if it's in person. If something is not adding to your life, it's mm. probably better off to evaluate it and get it out of your right. life. So if Twitter isn't helping you, well, maybe then, you know, it's time maybe to sign off. Okay, so, and uh, Jason, I mean, that obviously applies to the person who is feeling that way, but is there any way of making those on it who engage in this sort of abusive behaviour any more responsible? There is no way of policing it. And again, it's like saying, as I said earlier, my view has always been that back back 20, 30 years ago, people would take it as gospel, something they read in the paper, because it's coming from a trusted source, or they heard it on the radio, or it's on the news. But these days they're getting the source information from non-verified, non-trusted sources, people who may have hidden agendas, people who may themselves may be mentally unstable, who are posting things to your to your Facebook or to your comments. And they themselves may be in the right place. So you don't know who these people are. And also people say things tongue-in-cheek online, which I, if you were face-to-face with them, you could read the social norms from them and read that they're just having a bit of fun. But you can't understand that in text form and that's why an awful lot of the time text uh, communication gets miscommunicated uh, the sarcasm or the joke aspect gets miscommunicated in the text so therefore people get much easily offended uh, that way and think that people are having a go with them where the person is actually sending it may have just done something innocent as a joke and they speak in text as they would speak in person so there's a, there's a whole variety of things it's not going to be solved by banning facebook or banning this or banning the other uh, but it is up for each individual uh, to really look at ourselves and make sure that we're not posting anything that we could be seen as uh, upsetting somebody uh, and if in doubt just don't post it just delete it you know that's the best way of dealing with these things right jason o'callaghan is from the d4 clinic and nora conway also on the line from pieta house in limerick and with me in the studio is william kohan who is a phd student in uh, the department of psychology um, at UL. So based on uh, your research and the research of others, William, will human beings always behave this way, that social media is just another forum to do what we have done since time began and we will do until time ends? I think that is a really interesting question and uh, that's a really difficult question to answer. And I'm also at the beginning of my PhD research, so maybe I'll come back to you in three or four years and possibly have more of an answer for you. Um, What I will say is we've had a lot of talk about how negative social media can be and I think it's important to look at it in a nuanced way because social media can also be a very positive way to connect people to one another, especially if they are isolated if they are members of marginalised communities who don't have access to other members of those communities, if they have mobility issues, social media provides a really, really excellent platform to connect to others. The difficulty is when people substitute face-to-face communication with online communication because as the other people who've spoken on this have already said, it's very different. The way we communicate online is not the same as the way we communicate in a face-to-face way. So that's something to be mindful of. Everything in moderation in that sense. Yes. Um, and Nora Conway from Pieta House, it's obviously important that if people are affected by um, this story or similar stories or indeed some of the things we've raised during our chat uh, this morning, um, you are available, aren't you, to help? Yes, we are. We can be contacted here at the centre on 0614844444. And we also have our 24-hour helpline, 1800-247-247. And we are encouraging people to ask for help if they need help at this time. Do you find that there is a surge when stories like this um, are big in the media? Yes, usually there is. 
um, because I think it, it really brings suicide into people's radar uh, and makes it makes us more aware, I think, of the fact that suicide really can happen to anybody. And, you know, when, when it's a high-profile case like this, it shocks the world, basically. Uh, and I think, you know, when we have a suicide, um, somebody, say, for example, within a community, there's a huge ripple effect within the community uh, to a loss to suicide. But we're not that much aware of it as we would be in a situation like this when it's a celebrity in a high-profile case. Okay. well, listen, thank you all very much. Uh, We appreciate your time and your contributions this morning. We wanted to take a little bit more time to look at this in uh, some depth because there are so many angles to it. And as one of our listeners pointed out earlier in the show, it has its own impact locally. And there are, unfortunately, some similar stories that happen in Ireland and that that, uh, happen in Limerick and across the Midwest uh, that can have a deep impact on individuals, their families and friends. Uh, Nora Conway from P8 House in Limerick who do such amazing work in this area. Thank you very much for joining us. Jason O'Callaghan from the D4 Clinic uh, who among other things set up sessions to help people withdraw from the likes of Facebook. Thank you for your time and thank you here in the studio to William Cohan who's a PhD student in the Department of Psychology at the University of uh, Limerick and certainly uh, gave us a a fascinating uh, and in-depth perspective into all of it. Thank you William. Call Limerick today now on 461995.